Okay. <laughs> good morning. It's good to be back again. Um, as he mentioned, we were here in June, of course, and grateful to the Lord that we had three weeks of my dad before he passed. And very grateful to you guys for always being there for him and supporting him. And we couldn't have done it without you, to be honest. A lot of you were involved in his life and helping take care of him, whether it was groceries with Judy or the pastor visiting him. Um, we are really grateful, and we are grateful that we can come back again and see you. Um, we came out August 23rd. We're home for six months. It's been five years since we came home for a length of time. And of course, right now, we're, my dad was a hoarder of everything, and <laughs> we're trying to sort through stuff at the house right now and be here for another week. But um, thank you, and thank you for this chance to be here again. Thank you, Helen, and, and I do echo her words. Um, it's a joy. It's a joy to be back here and to greet, uh, greet you, and not just greet you, but to fellowship with you and to worship our Lord together and also to share, also to share. You, uh, Nauset Baptist, has been a partner with us over, over 30 years, mm -hmm. and uh, so you've been a part of what's happened in Mexico, and, mm -hmm. and, and that's part of what we're doing is, is not only reporting sharing God's word, but, but to say thank you, a genuine, heartfelt thank you to you for your prayers, for your encouragement, and for even the financial support. Um, in December 1991, many years ago, um, we'd been serving at a church, First Baptist Church in Romeo, Michigan, uh, for over eight years, and the Lord called us to the mission field. And so through a process of time, uh, he led us to Mexico. And so we left uh, not knowing Spanish. We left in December 1991 uh, to fly to Costa Rica uh, to study, study Spanish full time for a year. And uh, I remember that, that leaving, uh, we were down south. Um, at that time, David, Helen's father, lived in Mississippi. And so our last stop before going out was, was with him. And so with our two little girls, four and six years old, and a number of suitcases with our belonging, he drove us to the New Orleans airport. And we got on that plane and started that, our adventure, our adventure as missionaries. After that first year of, of language study, we arrived in Mexico in uh, January of 19... Um, 93, correct? 93, okay. So we're almost coming up to 30 years um, serving in Mexico. And when you come to those milestones, you, you think back. Uh, it's, it's, it's good to do that. It's, I think it's a healthy thing. And so as we, we think back, you know, those first years, six and a half years, we were in a city called Querétaro. It starts with a Q, um, kind of hard to say. But the Lord led us there, and, and, and our focus there was evangelism and church planting. And so with a team of other, small team of other Mexican believers, uh, the Lord allowed us to start a church during those first six and a half years, uh, share the gospel, study with families and individuals, the Bible, and uh, see them come to know the Lord. We also, during that time, helped to raise funds and purchase land, and the church continues on to this day. Um, to the glory of his name. And it's interesting, we just got done with our music camp in July and 
We actually had a couple young people from that very church who attended the camp. Um, we also, during that time, um, kind of where the church, where we had our contacts, um, it was an area of government housing, and so a lot of young families, lots of children, and so the Lord opened the door to do a vacation Bible school a number of summers, uh, but right out in the open. They gave us permission on a piece of land in the center, and we actually grew during those years, uh, not the first year, but over time, to have an attendance of almost 400 children. So exciting, exciting times, exciting years in those first that stage of ministry. Then in 1999, I have a background in music, a music education degree, um, as well as some diploma from Moody Bible Institute and studies in music there as well. So the, the Puebla Bible Seminary uh, invited us to come to Puebla and develop the whole area of music and worship. And so we made that move in 1999 to the city of Puebla. And uh, to this day, we continue there, um, continue on. During the, the time, tw about 23 years in Puebla, uh, in addition to teaching at the seminary classes and working with the students, the Lord allowed us to start two large um, ministries related to music, which we didn't go to Mexico planning to do that. It's interesting how the Lord works and, and, and everything. But So the, an event, an evangelical choir we were able to form, the start and form, in Puebla and that thing um, over a 20-year period. It's been an exciting ministry. I'm sure you've seen some pictures that we've sent, but to hundreds and hundreds of um, believers participating in that and just adding up over the years the concerts we've done with a combined attendance um, of over 60,000 people in the city of Puebla. And uh, in addition to music, we always present the gospel uh, during those concerts. Another ministry the Lord has allowed us to have is with a national music camp right outside of Puebla, held at a Christian camp um, in a town called Balsequillo, Puebla. And for the past 17 years, we've directed and organized uh, that music camp and um, young people from many different states in central Mexico uh, have attended that camp. We, we estimate over 3,000 people have gone through that camp uh, during the past um, couple decades. And so, as I said, you've been partnering with us. You've been a part of that. And, and we want to say thank you. Glory to God for what he's done and what he continues to do in, in the country of Mexico. But this morning, um, as we turn to the word, I'd like to consider us to consider an aspect of the ministry um, and the Christian life that we don't often talk about too much. Um, and as we do that, I ask you to um, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. Here's a letter from the greatest missionary of all time, the Apostle Paul. And we, could, we all know of the great things that the Lord did through him, the churches that were started, the people that were were reached, the extension of the gospel in the known world at that time. And wow, you know, it's just amazing. But listen to, listen to some of the things he shares, just kind of snapshots. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
I'm going to read verses 8 through 11. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. The greatest missionary of all times. And he's, he also is kind of looking back. This is near the end of his life, and he's reflecting and sharing his experience. And, and he comes right out and says, in the seasons of his life, we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Jump over to chapter 4, another similar theme. Chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. He says, but we have this treasure, and that treasure that he's speaking of there is precisely the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's that treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And there are other passages. I won't take time. Chapter 11, he, he talks about that again. Over in Romans, he says this. I'll just read it. Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And, and so this, this theme that, that we see from his life uh, and we don't often talk about it, but there's that theme of, along with the successes in ministry, there's a parallel of the sufferings in ministry. And we could say the Christian life. We, we want, you know, we have in our minds sometimes, you know, how's it going? Oh, I'm great, you know, praise the Lord and all this and that. And we do have tremendous blessings. But at the same time, every single one of us uh, go through times of seasons of suffering and trials and persecutions. That's just a part of life that God has designed for us. And we see that in the life of uh, the Apostle Paul. And, and, you know, we come home, give reports, and sometimes we'll go to a church and they say, okay, you've got 10 minutes to share. So how do you share in for five years in 10 minutes? Actually, we have one in November and the pastor said, you can share in Sunday school, but in the service, you have two minutes. And, uh, you know, I understand. We're on a schedule, and, and it's important, especially in this culture. But what do we tend to do? Well, we tend to share the positive, and, and, and that's part of it. But we often don't share the struggles that we've gone through as well. And in 30 years, I, my mind went back, just jotted down a few things. I remember in... Those early first years, year or two, um, Helen went through a miscarriage. And 
that's hard, and it's happened to many people, I understand, but in a foreign nation, a foreign culture, in a language where you don't understand and the operation, and it's just different. It's difficult, along with the normal sadness that, that comes with that. In 1997, 98, we were home on our first, what used to be called furlough, now they call it home assignment. Um, the first time home, and, and during that, we were home a year, during that time, we received news that the church we went to in Queretaro, that first city, where out of that church we worked with some of the believers from that church to start the daughter church, that church went through a, a major split during our time home. And uh, so we were getting ready to go back. By that time, the, the young church had been started. And our mission agency said, we don't want you to go back there. Things are really complicated, and for young missionaries, it's discouraging, it's hard, it's so complex, and we don't want you to go back. Well, you can imagine, you know, people you've led to know the Lord and are working with them, how can we not go back? How could we not? So we talked and, and, and worked with the agency, and they said, finally, um, okay, we'll, we'll let you go back, but be aware, it's not an easy situation. So we went back late 1998, and sure enough, months into our time back, boy, did it get hard and, and complex. And I'd never been personally through a, such a difficult time in a church and, and different cultural things and languages, things you don't even understand. We started receiving criticism and attacks, and wow. And I remember we, we struggled as a couple and as a family, do we go back? Do I leave ministry? Do I look for a job? And I was affected emotionally and even spiritually and concerned for my children. I didn't want them to see ministry like that. And uh, so we, we went through that, that difficult time. It, it was actually at that time we received the invitation to go to Puebla and make that change in our ministry, which actually was, was healthy for us, both emotionally and spiritually. Thinking back as well, during our time in Mexico, our house has been broken into at least four times. And um, that's unsettling, if you've ever had that experience. And, and the fear that that brings and the loss. One time, it was right before our music camp. Normally, we don't keep money in the house or a very small amount. And, but yet, I had received some payments from the campers. And I had close to $2,000 in the house. And that money was gone. Ellen lost her wedding ring during that time. Our son had just graduated from high school. His sisters and us got him a brand new computer. That was gone, amongst other things. Wow. You know, it's just sometimes things are discouraging in life. Um, the discouragement of seeing people who you worked with and invested with. And Pastor, you can relate. Many of you can relate to this. And then they turn away. And they make bad decisions. Um, we've been working with, just recently, a, a young man from our neighborhood, Mario. And um, he'd, he'd been attending church as a child, but gotten away from it. And so we got him to come back during our music camp. He was baptized. And then finally uh, finished high school, and, and I guess a year ago. Um, didn't know what to do with his life, so we got him into the seminary. And it was a great year for him. It was good. And uh, he shared with a group of young people we have. 
towards the end of that year, and wow, he did a great job. We were encouraged in how the Lord has worked in his life. Well, just this summer, we found out he's not going back to, to the seminary. We talked to him, what's going on? What are you thinking? Oh, I, I want to go to Canada and work. And uh, without a visa, without a job, and just he heard, oh, I can make a lot of money there. So just a decision. And so now he's, uh, we know the Lord can still work in his life, but it's discouraging. You, you work with somebody, and then you see them make these kind of decisions. During our years at the seminary, there have been financial problems. One time they came to cut off the water because the bill wasn't paid and there was no money to pay it. You see students occasionally fall into sin, immorality, there's conflicts. One time our director at the time, the board had to ask him to leave because he changed his doctrine. And, and those things, wow, they're blows, you know, that we have in ministry. Uh, in 2010, by this time we were in, in, in Puebla, the, the choir season was getting started, or just about to get started. I was downtown taking in copies of the music for the choir, 250 people, uh, to get their copies made. And I received a phone call and said, your wife's in the hospital. She'd just been attacked by a dog. Part of her tip of her finger was, was missing. She'd been bitten in four different spots, ended up having over 100 stitches. And when you're just getting ready to take off on a major ministry and this happens, wow, that kind of takes the air out of your sails. Two years later, 2012, same thing, springtime, getting the, the season uh, going. It takes, takes about a year to, to prepare these concerts. We just started up again. Helen's dad, David, was visiting us. And that was the year he had his stroke uh, in Puebla. And so, wow, that, that, that hits you. That changes your life and changes your focus. And, and uh, my point in all of this is parallel to what God does and, and how he uses us, parallel to that is a series of different seasons of challenges and trials and sufferings. And I could, you know, this morning I could sit down with any one of you, without a doubt. And I could, over a cup of coffee, and just listen to the sufferings you are going through and the challenges that you are facing. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's job-related or problems in the family. Maybe it's persecution for your faith and the things you're having to suffer because of that. And it's just a part of life on this earth. And I share that as a missionary. Sometimes we're almost put up on a pedestal. But it's the same way. And the challenge for us this morning, and this is the thing I'd like to encourage you with, and not only you, but I'm speaking to myself, where over and over in the New Testament we see the phrase, do not lose heart. Do not give up. Continue on. And um, as we think about this, we face the same thing in, in our working with people, especially in those early years. Somebody would come to know the Lord, we'd be discipling them, working with them, and then they would have problems, which are normal in people's lives. And the reaction would be, well, why is this happening? What's going on? You know, I I'm, I'm made a decision, I received Christ, or I'm studying the Bible, 
And then this happens. Why does this happen? And they get discouraged. And so I actually did a study way back then. I still, still have it in my file, and it's, it's even on my computer. Biblically, and as you look in Scripture, why do we as Christians face trials and problems? There's, there's not just one reason. You can't, and we see this in, in the book of Job. What was the counsel he received? Well, you're having problems because you're sin. You're living in sin. You know, I mean, there's a whole number of different reasons that you can find in Scripture, and I'll just share what I studied way back then and shared with these people to try to help them. Uh, part of God's design and plan for us, and, and these, these are some of the things that I know there's more, but that, that I came up with of why we face trials and why we face sufferings. First one is, is yes, there are consequences sometimes because of our sin and our bad decisions. Um, Galatians 6, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so sometimes we go through hard times because we have strayed from what God says in his word. Hebrews 12 speaks of the discipline of the Lord in love to correct us. And so that is a possible reason uh, as you evaluate, Lord, what is happening? And sometimes we're not even going to be able to know. It's just a part of life. But there are other reasons. Romans 8 talks about um, sometimes we face trials in our lives sim simply because we live in a fallen world in a world affected by sin. Uh, cancer was never designed by God in his plan, but it's a, it's a consequence of living in, a, in a, a world affected by sin, sickness, disease, um, even injustices that happen, maybe of no fault to ourselves, but we live in this world affected uh, by sin. Deuteronomy 8, interesting passage, talking about the Israelites, and they were facing trials in their journey in their desert, and says God allowed this to test what was in their hearts. Amen. And so sometimes we go through hard times simply because God wants to see, you say you love me, you say you obey me and want, want to follow me, and you're going to do it. But yet, and it's easy, words are easy, but yet... When it comes to the heart, am I going to do it or not if it's costing? And that reveals what's in our hearts. You know, a teacher teaching a subject or a unit in school gives the information, but how do they know if the student learned it? Well, they give them a test. And so sometimes our trials come because God is testing us and even revealing to our own selves what's really in our hearts. James chapter 1, count it all joy. When you encounter different trials, in, in this passage, a purpose of trials is to God's transforming us and molding us. You know, a woodworker working with wood, and there's rough edges on it, he gets out the sandpaper. And that moment of working on the wood, uh, I mean, the wood, wood doesn't have feelings, but if it did, it would be painful, but it, yet it's in the process of of perfecting that piece of furniture or whatever it is. Gold, how do you purify gold? You put it in the fire, and that helps take the draw. So sometimes trials and sufferings have that 
purpose that God designed and effect in our lives to, to, to work on our character and to mold us and shape us in the image of Christ. Matthew 5, Jesus said, the world hated me, the world's going to hate you. The world persecuted me, why should it be any different with us? So sometimes persecution will come or suffering or effects uh, things that have, can affect us or our job or this or that simply meant uh, that's Spanish <laughs> simply because we're, we're following Christ and there's a cost for that Second Timothy all who live godly uh, in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution and so sometimes it's just a matter of hey I'm a Christian and my ways and my values are different from this world 2 Corinthians, um, or Acts, Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer. What happened to Paul and Silas? They were arrested unjustly. They were beaten. They were thrown into jail and shackled in an unjust way. What was their reaction? They prayed and sang in jail, in pain. And that was how they responded to that trial in that moment. And how did God use that? God used their testimony of their response in that situation for the salvation of that Philippian jailer. And sometimes we go through something unjust or, or a trial, and if we respond in a godly way, trusting in God, Lord, I don't understand, but I believe in you, I trust in you, that itself can have a tremendous impact in other people. So sometimes God allows suffering in a way so people can see in us something different. I think Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, tremendous suffering in her life, the peril, the, uh, being a paralytic, paralytic and the paralysis that she suffered her whole life. But yet God has used her to speak to millions and millions of people. Uh, just example. Um, last one, and I'm sure there's more, but 2 Corinthians 4. Sometimes God allows trials and sufferings in our life just to remind us and bring us back to him that we're not of this world. Uh, you know, we can when things are going well, it's easy to forget God. And our emphasis can be here, or what we're doing, or, or material things. But yet, when we're going through a hard time, then our, our focus goes on things above. That it, it's not, not what's here that really matters. And so, as I've gone through this, you can see the variety of different examples in Scripture of, of trials and sufferings. And, and um, it's part of the design and plan of God. But the challenge is for us, then, as we live our lives and, and live out the Christian life as we minister and we face these things, the challenge is to not lose heart. Um, what does losing heart mean? The King James actually uh, translated translate to the word faint, that we faint, not literally, literally fainting, but just uh, we, we get discouraged. Sometimes we're afraid and we get paralyzed by that fear. We give up or we, we want to give up. We start thinking about that. We begin to doubt the goodness of God. 
uh, we stop serving, we stop praying, we stop reading the word, uh, we stop attending. And I think we've all seen that. We've all seen that even in others or been tempted ourselves in that, this idea of when somebody loses heart and gets discouraged. Listen to some of these passages in the New Testament related to, the, to this phrase of losing heart. Jesus says in Luke 18, Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought, always ought to pray and not lose heart. 2 Corinthians 4, again, the Apostle Paul speaking, he said, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If you really look into 2 Corinthians at the troubles Paul had, he talks about beatings, he talks about shipwrecks, he talks about going without food, he talks about later in the chapter, chapter 11. In the chapter 1, which we read, it said, we despaired even of life because of the pressure we felt. But yet here he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Galatians 6, 9, he said, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not, in this translation, he uses that phrase, if we do not lose heart or give up or faint. Keep on going. Sometimes we're, we're, we do something good or we minister or we share with something or we pray and we don't see any results and we get tired and Galatians is reminding us God is reminding us through his word don't give up keep on going for in due time um, God will accomplish his, his work and purpose and the last one Hebrews 12 In fact, I would ask you, look at that, if you would, turning your Bibles, a very important passage, Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. And this is in the English Standard Version, I believe. It says, Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're all going to face trials in our lives. We're all going to face sufferings at some point or another. Not constantly. There's seasons of it. There's times when it's tremendously hard and times it's more like the sea, you know, it's a little more peaceful. But we're all going to face it. 
And, and being in a different country, being a missionary, quote unquote, does not change that. It's a part of God's design uh, for us. And I think primarily we read it from Paul so that the glory would not go to us. We, more and more and more we realize we're weak. And what can we do? And I, I constantly tell the people that we work with, like in our camps, our counselors, I said, you, you, will, you can't change the heart of anybody. You'll never do that. But only God can. You be faithful and you pray and use God's word. And that's when hearts are changed. And so these trials are a reminder to us we're nothing. We're weak and we're not able, but God, God is able. So anyway, in conclusion, how can we apply this? Um, I don't know where you're at this morning, if you're at that moment where it's, it's tough right now, um, or perhaps you're not. Perhaps it's a more peaceful moment in your life. But number one, turn our eyes on things above, just in Hebrews. Uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, it says in chapter, or verse 2. Verse 3, consider him. If you focus on the trial, on the problem, on the thing you don't know the answer to, or that doesn't look like there's a solution, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to want to give up. You're going to want to say, you know, or as they say, throw in the towel. Don't focus on the trial. Turn that eyesight on things above. When Paul, in all that he went through, when he did that, he said, he then described them these light and momentary afflictions or, or troubles or trials. And it, it changes our attitude. You know, it's just um, in the Psalms, reading in the Psalms this morning, and in um, a number of the Psalms, the psalmist speaks of the enemies that he has and, and the difficulties and the people that are against him and warring against him. But yet, then those phrases jump out, yet I will not be afraid, I will trust in the Lord. Or he, he, he mentions one thing that jumped out to me, the steadfast love of God. So whatever you're going through, as you come to Scripture, he will, the Spirit will use that to help us to turn our, our, our eyes and our, and our focus uh, on things above. And that's number one. Work on doing that. Remember that this is only temporary. We're just passing through this world. And better things are in store. Number two, uh, don't neglect, especially in, in difficult times, don't neglect God's word and prayer. Uh, it's easy to do that when you become discouraged, but don't. Do the opposite. I remember going through the times of COVID and where, where there's so many questions and ministries shut down and what do we do and what's going on and all of these questions. You know, we have a, a treadmill in our house and I would use that time uh, to, to memorize, to memorize God's word and uh, memorize Psalm 145 and how in one of my dad's favorite psalms and, and just daily, just going over that and then I was able to memorize the book of Colossians and, and using that time, because you've got to repeat it over, otherwise you don't remember. But just feeding on God's word, feeding on it, and it, it, it helps, uh, transforms our way of thinking. 
And then number three, so turn our eyes on things above. Don't neglect God's word and prayer. As Jesus said, you ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then number three, um, encourage one another in the body of Christ. Encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Don't stop attending. Don't give up. As the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the drawing, the day drawing near. You know, things, according to the New Testament, are not going to get better. The end times, things will actually get worse. And so we need to be very attentive to that, this instruction from God's word to encourage one another. Um, many of you are, are aware we uh, of what we passed through this month of June. I was, after two summers of canceling our camp, we finally decided, no, we've got to get it going again. And uh, young people need it, and it's just, we got to do it. And so in the spring, we started the planning. It's a lot of work, um, getting the whole team. Almost 40 teachers we have to get together, and, and uh, counselors, and then you start getting the the sign-ups from the kids and planning the classes. And so at the beginning of June, we got a phone call, and that's when the, the aides helping David, um, the agency called and said he's, he's weak, he's having trouble even walking, and so he can't be left alone. And so we made a decision on June 4th, we gotta go, so June 5th we, we flew on up and came up here to Wellfleet. And uh, it was hard for me. It was hard for me. Uh, what do I do? Because I've got this ministry to plan and a lot of work and can't just drop it. And uh, Pastor, he lived through some of that with us and um, some of my struggles. And how long do I stay? We didn't know what was going to happen. When we got here, we saw, yes, glad, glad we both came, glad we're here, because it, it really was a situation where we needed to be here. And on a daily basis, I was thinking, you know, how long do I stay and what do I do? And, and, uh, and then things got more complicated and, and then Dave, Dave had to go into the hospital. And it, it, was, it was a struggle for me especially, being torn. I need to be there and yet I need to be here. And how are we going to do this? And, you know, humanly, humanly, those are the things we think. And then at the same time, we got a phone call at her dad's house, and we had somebody staying in our house uh, while we're gone, and she said, I don't know what's going on, you know, this smells like burning, and, and I hear loud popping and all this and that. Well, there had been an electrical storm, and a, a charge came into the, into the house, the, the, the ground that the city had set up didn't work, and so our refrigerator was affected, stopped working, our washing machine, our microwave, the garage door, that didn't work anymore. Like at least 12 light bulbs were, were um, blown out or they didn't work anymore. And then 
Every house in Mexico has a wall around it, so we had an electric gate. That didn't work. And, well, and then we're up here, and I've got a camp to plan, and we're dealing with a very emotional, difficult situation with my father-in-law, and wow, you know, we didn't need this. <laughs> and so trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? We're here, but yet we need to repair those things. And then at the same time, our neighbor calls us, and our neighbor said, um, because we lived on a dirt road, he said, oh, they're going to start working on the road. You know, yay, and that's great news. But they're going to dig up the road, and so if you have a car, you need to get that car out. And so our daughter lives in Puebla. We called her. They, they got our car out, parked it in a different spot. And sure enough, they dug that road up, and from where the car enters to where the street was, it was like this much difference. So we couldn't even go back into our house when we returned. And um, to this very day, it hasn't changed. So <laughs> we don't miss that part of it, um, especially with now it's rainy season and the mud and, and uh, oh, all of this on top of that. And then, the Pastor, he doesn't know this, but during our time up here, I received a message from someone and said, you know, one of your music teachers has a very serious accusation against them. He shouldn't be teaching at camp. And so I'm, here I'm dealing with so many things and now I've got to figure out, okay, what do we do? Because I don't want to falsely accuse somebody and yet I don't want to have somebody at the camp that shouldn't be there and trying to figure this out. It's complicated. And so that, that whole combination of things, boy, it was, it was tough. It was that, that, that burden on us. And, and this last thing encouraging us, you know, I praise the Lord, you know, Pastor Rick and his visits, and he came by and he would pray with us. And just to have somebody alongside of you and, and to be with you and to help carry and share that burden. I can't tell you how much that ministered to us. And, and you know, encourage. Think of that word. Come alongside and give what? Give courage. It's part of that word. Uh, because there's times when you're going through it, you don't have a lot of courage. And so, so I thank the Lord, you know, even in not just the last days and weeks, of Dave's life, but the last hours, God used you, and we prayed together and sang and read scripture, and and so it's just a, boy, it was an example to me of how God can use somebody, and sure, it cost time, and uh, the, the time that was involved in the driving, and but we praise the Lord for that, and boy, it was a lesson, and so I encourage you, if this Holy Spirit prompts you in some way, give somebody a phone call. Write somebody a note or an email or a text or, or do something practical for somebody that's going through a rough time. Boy, how God can use that. And so this idea of, of not losing heart, turn your eyes above. Don't neglect his word and encourage one another and continue on. And uh, 30 years, praise the Lord. Uh, in spite of our trials, or because of them, God will continue to work, not only in you, but in others, as we respond in the way he wants us to respond. Let's pray together.
Our Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the perspective that it helps to give to us. Uh, sometimes life can be tough. And we, we know you are sovereign. We know you're a loving, gracious, kind, a good God. And we, by faith, believe that. And I pray as, as there will be seasons when we go through discouragement, when we go through trials, that you would help us to remember um, even what we've talked about this morning so we could continue on. Help us as a body, as a church, to put into practice what your word says, what you've asked us to do to encourage one another and even, even all the more as the day is approaching. And help us to not only think of ourselves, but to truly think of others. Thank you for your goodness to us, for pulling us through when we are discouraged or hard times, and for keeping us going. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Later after the service, we would like to share some pictures and to take you to the city of Puebla for those that are able to stay. But we thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Now let us stand together as we sing our final hymn in the morning, one so appropriate for the message that Terry delivered this morning. Hymn number 250, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Savior friend and I know 
printed in the bold in our prayers of the church we will repeat the prayer together in bold print followed by pastor rick's prayer of intercession we rejoice in our great eternal salvation though now for a little while we are grieved by various necessary trials so that the tested genuineness of our faith may be found to result in your praise and glory and honor when you return Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the testimony of a couple that your hand has been upon them for these past 30 years, Lord God. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for that. We thank you, Father, in even a greater way that your faithfulness has been upon your people since the beginning of time. There you were, Father, in grace and mercy coming down to Adam after having sinned and providing for him, Father, a way in which he may be reconciled to you. And from that time and through the great promises that you have made, Father, through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been faithful to your people throughout the generations. Lord God, we thank you that in our own lives, as our brother has mentioned, that we can look back and we can see your hand of mercy upon us. Difficult times you have brought many of your people through, Father, and yet here they are singing your praises. Great trials, Lord God, you have brought your people through. Many people throughout the ages, Lord God, seem to have been cast down on every side, and yet there you were, Lord God, on their behalf. We thank you and we praise you, Father, for your great acts of faithfulness, Lord. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, that you are not done being faithful to your people. We thank you, Lord God, that when you begin a good work, you perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so, Father, from the lips of this congregation, we ascend to your throne. Praises and thanksgivings, Lord God, for what you have done. We ask and we pray, Lord God, that you would be with our brother and sister in the years to come. Give them many more years, we pray, Father, of gospel ministry. Extend out their ministry, we pray, Father. Work in and through them, Father, uh, the, very, the, very, the very essence of the gospel, that whether by music or whether by word, that they might make known your saving purposes. How we thank you, Father, that this is the message that we bring to humanity. It's not a message, Lord God, of, of political upheaval or revolution. It's not a message, Father, whereby uh, economic situations are, are brought to the forefront and all and then figured out. It's a message, Lord God, that deals with the most vital issues of life, that of our souls. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord God, that this gospel message is being made known not only from this pulpit, Father, but from pulpits throughout this world, Lord God. And we thank you and we praise you for that. We would also ask, Lord, not only that you would grant faithfulness to our brother and sister and their ongoing ministry, we even pray, Lord God, that you would raise up witnesses from this congregation, Father, to minister and witness Father, yes, far and wide, if you call them far and wide, but to minister even here in this little place of East Ham, that in this place, Lord God, the gospel would go forth from this place. Heavenly Father, if I can 
kind of pray along these lines. Uh, here we were last week dealing with um, issues uh, that are related to COVID. Uh, we heard by way of testimony, Father, that those outside of the church and not even connected to the church knew that there was something of COVID going on. Somebody even saying, oh, that there was an outbreak of COVID in your church. Father, wouldn't it be so much better if in this community people would say, we heard that there was an outbreak of the Holy Spirit there. We heard that the gospel went forth. We heard that sinners were saved. We heard that the gospel was made known in its clarity and with power. Oh, Father, if this community can hear of an outbreak of COVID, can they not also hear, Father, of an outbreak of your saving grace? Oh, grant that we pray, Lord God. And so, yes, Father, do it far and wide and do it near here to our homes, we pray. So work these things, Father, we ask. We have particular requests that we would set before you, Father, this morning that concern our congregation. We pray for our other missionary, Carrie, Father, who in a very few hours or actually here in about an hour and a half will be beginning her wedding ceremony. We pray, Father, your blessing upon her and, and send her, Father. We pray that that marriage would be a marriage that brings glory to your name. We pray, Father, that in that couple, just like through Helen and Terry, through 30 years of ministry, we pray for Carrie and send her, Father, as well, that you would bless their ministry, Father. Oh, use them, we ask, Father. Show yourself mighty on their behalf, we pray. We pray for other situations in our church, Lord. Some of our situations concern family needs, Lord God. You know how precious, Lord, our families are. You know, Lord, how our hearts grieve when we see our loved ones going through difficult times. Sometimes difficulties are made because of, because of choices, Lord. Sometimes because of sin. Sometimes because of neglect. Heavenly Father, we ask and we pray that you would work in the lives of the families here in this church. We pray for our children, Lord God. We thank you for the young, for the ones who are, if we can say it this way, younger gathered here today. And we ask, we pray, Father, that the full effect of the gospel would be felt in their lives, Lord God. Grant this, we ask, Father. We also pray, Lord, for those who need a, your healing touch upon their lives, Lord. We think of our sister Mary, who's not with us here uh, this week, Lord, or this, uh, this Lord's Day. We ask that you would be with her. We think of our sister Lucy, Lord. We pray that you would grant to her, Father, a recovery, Lord, from, from COVID. We pray, Lord, as well, that you would be with our brother L as he, as he uh, has these treatments for his eyes. We think of, we think of Lynn Delcourt as well. And Father, we pray especially for our sister Judy, Lord, that you would grant uh, that she may uh, receive healing in her hand, Father. You know how much she does for you, Father, with those hands. And so, Father, I ask and I pray that by your great grace, you would minister there. Heavenly Father, we pray for our nation. Lord God, we, we love our nation. We thank you for this nation, Lord. We thank you that we've been, we thank you that we've been born in this nation, Father. But Lord God, we, we desire by way of your grace and by way of your mercy working upon us that we would be able to, uh, Father, to make known and to hold forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, such changes are coming upon us as a people. We ask and we pray, Lord God, that we as your people, Father, would make sure that the gospel is always known in this land. Grant these things, Father, we pray. 
We pray for political rulers, Lord, and political leaders, and we ask, Lord, that you would give to them truly repentant and humbled hearts. We pray for spiritual leaders in our land, and we ask and we pray, Lord God, that you would cause them, us, to see that, there are, that the only hope of this nation, the only hope of an individual, is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Father, work these things, we pray. Do what we ask, Lord God. Be with us, we pray, through the remainder of this day, and may our time of fellowship be a time particularly blessed. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand again as we sing the doxology, hymn number 554. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise God. benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.